This show is brought to you by listeners and viewers like you. EvanX.com Tesla Accessories, our TeslaOwnersOnline.com community, and our Patreon supporters at Patreon.com slash TeslaOwnersOnline. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to another episode of the Tesla Owners Online Show. I'm your host, Trevor Page. Um, this is episode 106 for July 29th, 2021, and my two hosts are, co-hosts are joining me tonight, Ian Pavelko and Eric Camacho. How have you guys been? Good. Hi. <laughs> I know the COVID thing is really getting to us, right? Oh, <laughs> Just yeah. Still cooped up. Still More so for us here in the U.S. than it is for my neighbors to the north, because Florida is among the many states where you look at a county by county map about the numbers uh, of inf- infections now and and all the criteria that comes with that. And Florida is just red all around. So for those that, you know, politically speaking, weren't sure if Florida is a purple state or not, I'm here to tell you it's effectively a red state. <laughs> Welcome to the COVID podcast. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, anyway. I, will, I will throw in that Quebec has been pretty reasonable. Like, we can have people over the house now. So we, yeah. we've been taking advantage of that. That's That's been nice. I'm just anxious to get back to the office. Like, we still don't have a clear mandate yet as to how many people we can bring back in, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there's still a lot of concerns going around of what the Delta variant's going to do. So I think we're maybe a few months before we have a a final decision on that. But uh, yeah, I miss my peeps at the office, man. Yeah, I hear you. We can finally eat inside of a restaurant right now, but we'll see how long that lasts mm-hmm. before some idiots kind of screw it up for everybody. But we'll see how it goes. Um, listen, we're here this week to talk about Tesla stuff. Uh, I want to give everybody a shout out, first of all, because our last podcast we did with Sandy Monroe blew up right everybody loved that one i want to say a thank you to everybody for the very kind comments on youtube for change um it looks like you guys really appreciated that show we were we're really looking forward to having sandy on um again in the future whenever some new products come out and stuff so anyways uh yeah very happy with the way that that one turns out anyways but today we're here about tesla um we're going to talk a little bit about the earnings call that just happened um, we're not really going to get into the financial stuff because that's not really our ballywick here on the show. There are better ones, like watch uh, Rob Maurer's uh, te- uh, Tesla Daily po- Podcast. He's really good at the financial stuff. Um, we will talk about a, a, a few key points in here. Um, and then we have some audio clips. I spent the better part of all day yesterday cleaning up some audio podcasts or some of the audio clips from the earnings call. Um, you know, some opening remarks from Elon. We'll talk about the battery cells, the Cybertruck Model Y, Gigafactories, and all that other stuff. So before we begin, let's uh, let's very quickly look at the shareholder letter that they sent out. And uh, we're just going to read a quick blurb, and then we're going to go over uh, a few important points. So Tesla states in their uh, letter, for Q2 of 2021, the, uh, sec- in, in the second quarter of 2021, we broke new and notable records. We produced and delivered over 200,000 vehicles, achieved an operating margin of 11%, and exceeded $1 billion of GAAP, that's generally accept- accepted uh, accounting practices, net income for the first time in our history. Um, they do go on to say, though, that supply chain challenges, in particular global semiconductor shortages and port congestion, continued to be present in Q2. The Tesla team, including supply chain, software development, and our factories worked extremely hard to keep production running and close to full capacity as possible with global vehicle demand at record levels component supply will have a strong influence on the rate of our delivery growth for the rest of this year uh, they go on to talk about uh, tesla vision and so on and so forth but anyway so here here's some of the numbers uh profitability 1.3 billion dollars in gap operating income 11 percent operating margin in q2 1.1 gap net income that's the big number that everybody wants to focus on because that's the one that's you know after everything 1.6 non-gap net income that's uh, excluding sbc and i forget what the sbc stands for And uh, 28.4 gap automotive gross margin, uh, but boils down to 25.8%, excluding um, regulatory credits. That's the one that the negativists always like. The only Tesla is never profitable unless they sell regulatory credits. Well, guess what, guys? You can put that in your uh, ashtray because they are definitely profitable. Um, Going down the line a little bit here, I I thought I'd point out some interesting stuff here. So in automotive revenue, uh, they put up a, a, a... a sheet here you can see from a year ago, um, 5.179 billion, and then in Q3 was 7.6, uh, Q4 of 2020 was 9.3. You can see definitely a trend here, a little bit lower in Q1 of 2021, and of course in Q2 it's over 10 billion. So uh, year over year growth of 97%. That's excellent. So we're seeing some really good numbers there. And then a little bit lower, 
Um, actually, one of the great things about these slides is that they always give us some really good pictures. So here's a picture of a, the Gigafactory in Brandenburg. That's one just outside of, uh, of uh, Berlin. It is uh, essentially complete, although Tesla is still running into some issues with uh, environmental groups down there. So who knows who's behind all of that. Elon even took to Twitter talking about he thought that they were probably nuts or crazy or whatever the case may be. Anyways, so some good pictures there. Um, photograph from inside the paint shop. Uh, this is the state-of-the-art paint shop that they've been talking about. Hopefully we get some really good paint colors out of this for a change. Uh, what was that, that crimson red they were talking about for the new Model S? That'll be interesting. Um, I expect to see this same type of paint shop in the uh, uh, um, Gigafactory in Texas as well. Speaking of which, now here's some photographs of the uh, Gigafactory from six months ago on the left and then present day. Uh, they're working on this thing at least two shifts, 24 hours a day. They're moving like crazy on this thing. Uh, speaking of which, we got our first shot of the stamping presses. This is a big Schuler press they installed, and looks like it's commissioned and almost ready. So that's a pretty cool shot. I don't know how many of these they've got in the hall, but that's a pretty big one. And then, uh, lo and behold, the Model Y body shop is uh, starting to be commissioned. They got some bodies and whites on the uh, on the lines. The robots are ready. So the walls are not even finished yet, and they're already got production lines set up. And there, there's a uh, really nice picture of the crew up on the roof. And of course, can't forget Shanghai. Shanghai's in phase three right now. Boy, that's big. I'm going crazy. Um, let me see here. There's one other part here. I always like to look at the lines for uh, R&D, research and development. Q4 2020, uh, 522 million. Q1 of 2021, 666 million. And in Q2 2021 is uh, 576 million. So down a little bit, but still up from... Uh, uh, Q4, so that's always interesting. Uh, cash and cash equivalents, definitely up. They got uh, over 16 billion uh, liquid cash on hand, down a little bit from March of this year. Definitely spending some money there. That's uh, Gigafactory expansion and stuff. And then uh, deferred revenue. I think this is kind of balled up with the FSD thing. So numbers are definitely on a rise. So you can see here, uh, July or sorry, June of uh, 2020 is 1.1 billion, then it goes up to 1.2, almost 1.3, then 1.5, then 1.6. Now we're almost at 1.7. So it's growing. Anyways, um, enough of this. We want to get into the juicy bits, right? So um, I spent a lot of time uh, going over the, um, the earnings call on the audio bits, and I uh, cleaned it up as best I could. Uh, turns out that Elon was conducting the call from the Gigafactory in Texas, so it was quite noisy. So it did a lot of audio processing and um, cut up what I thought were very important parts, took a lot of ums and ahs and stuff to make it, you know, listenable. So the first clip is Elon talking about opening remarks, and it's about 50 seconds. So let's listen in. EVs is at an inflection point. Oh, I'll start over. So to recap, Q2 2021 was a record quarter on many levels. We achieved record production, deliveries, and surpassed over a billion dollars in gap netting for the first time in Tesla history. I'd really like to congratulate everyone at Tesla for an amazing job. This is really an incredible milestone. Um, it also seems that public sentiment towards EVs is at an inflection point. And uh, at this point, I think almost everyone agrees that uh, electric vehicles are the only way forward. The global chip shortage situation remains quite serious. In fact, even achieving the output that we did achieve was uh, only due to an immense effort from people within Tesla who were able to substitute alternative uh, chips and then uh, write the firmware uh, in a matter of weeks. It's not just a matter of swapping out a chip. You also have to rewrite the software. All right, so that's the first clip. I think the important bit about that, if we, you know, the takeaway from that is they were able to kind of skirt around and not completely avoid the chip shortages, things that obviously that's happening in the whole industry right now. But um, they saw what was coming and they put their people to work to not only develop some new chips, I think that's probably in another segment we'll talk about a little bit later, but um, also take the time to write the software for it. So anyways, this whole thing's not over yet. Um, have you guys been paying attention to the used prices of Teslas in the U.S.? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, that's, that's the new thing now, right? It's like you can, people are just posting like the, the new price of their car for the day and it seems to go up like weekly. Well, that's that's a demand thing, right? Because if you mm -hmm. go and try and order a Tesla right now, you're not, I mean, a three or a Y right now, you're looking at November. Um, an, an X, I mean, gosh, it's pushed into summer of next year. Um, 
It's it's crazy. So obviously a lot of people want Teslas, but uh, a lot of people are turning to the used market. And of course, you know, the used market's uh, it's going crazy in the U.S. It, it's not not as good here in Canada. I, I have checked just on, on an off chance. I, I submitted a quest with, with Tesla just to see what my car is worth. And uh, I can certainly get better in the U.S. than we can up here. But then again, that's just, I think it's just supply and demand. There's a lot more demand for it down in the U.S. than up here. So Eric, did you happen to check and see what your car is worth? No, as a matter of fact, I've never checked on the value of my car because uh, it's where. Um, I mean, I I think the 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 vehicle market for electric cars uh, is quickly becoming what it's like for the housing market here yeah. in the U.S., where the prices are not really reflective of what the uh, the baseline values ought to be. Um, all it takes is one person's house in one community to sell for a much higher value. Yeah. And then others think, ooh, if so-and-so got this value for their house, what will I get for mine? And then you start seeing that based on supply versus demand. So, you know, the, the global supply chain has been vastly affected uh, in large part because of the pandemic. That's still an ongoing issue in ports outside the U.S. and Canada. And so when you have global partners and they're having a difficult time getting things over, I mean, let's even think back to some months ago where um, the Suez Canal was partially yeah. blocked off because a tanker got stuck, right? So e there's even after effects from that stoppage that's been causing some issues. So, you know, the you can only mine so many components out of the ground. You can only build things so quickly. And, you know, the demand is now far outweighed the supply chain. And these issues are going to continue being a problem for a while. Do I think that people should start finding out like, hey, maybe I should sell my car? I mean, okay, if you want to do that, that's fine. But then, you know, if you end up selling your car, what are you going to replace it with? You can't just easily get another electric car. Because uh, as you're saying, you some of these uh, demands are, are, you know, months and months ahead of time. Yeah, exactly. I have no desire to upgrade. I'm waiting for the, mm -hmm. the other stuff that's coming. Speaking of which, let's move on here. Uh, we got another clip here. Um, they're talking about Giga Texas and the Model Y. So let's listen in on this clip. It's about a minute and a half long. We got to Giga Texas and Giga Berlin. We're actually doing this earnings call from Giga Texas. So we're in the factory right now doing this earnings call. This earnings call. Um, and the, the team has made incredible progress here. You can see the, the pictures online. And uh, I see that there's basically nothing a year ago. A mostly complete large factory <laughs> a year later. So really, really great work by the Giga Texas team. And, uh, and then also great, great work uh, in Berlin. We expect uh, to be producing new, new design of the Model Y in both factories, in limited production uh, later this year. The Model Y is in Texas and made in Texas and Berlin will be will look very much like the Model Ys we currently make, but the, there are substantial improvements in the difficulty of manufacturing. So for example, the Model Y uh, made here and in Berlin will have a cast front body and a cast rear body, um, whereas the one in, in California has a cast rear body but not a cast front body. We're also aiming to do a structural pack with 4680s cells, um, which is a mass reduction and a cost reduction. But we're not counting on that as the only way to make things work. We have uh, sort of a backup plan with a non-structural pack and um, 2170s essentially. But at scale production, we obviously want to be using 4680s and uh, structural pack. Uh, from a physics standpoint, this is the best architecture. And from an economic standpoint, it is the lowest cost way to go. All right. So the takeaway from that, they have a backup plan, which is wise, obviously. Uh, if you've been watching the progress at the uh, Texas Gigafactory, um, the battery cell, I mean, the structure's up, but they haven't put any machinery in at this point. They haven't started building the cathode plant. I mean, they have equipment staged and ready to put up, but they're not anywhere near starting to produce these cells in the required amounts that they need. So, again, the, the backup plan in this is, um, you know, a regular battery pack out of uh, Fremont or uh, Nevada brought in. Um, they'll build bodies out of here, and then when they're ready to go to the structural pack in the 4680 cells, then they'll make the switch. Um, he did say later this year, so obviously, you know, the timing is still about, you know, roughly what they kind of suggested. So Model Y is really super important because that's what it's really floating. I mean, that and Model 3, of course, is really what's floating the company. If you looked at the numbers, and we didn't you know, kind of get in here, but... Uh, Model S has, has been severely delayed. Model X is not, hasn't even started production yet at this point. So everything's floating on the back of 3 and Y. Super important to get that car. Um, Cybertruck will be next too, but right now, as long as the 3 and the Y are paying the bills, 
you know, they've got some breathing room. Um, what are your thoughts on 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 this position? Don't, don't you find it super strange that you're going to have two versions, very substantially different versions of model wise floating around in the same model year? I mean, from a crash repair standpoint, you're going to have to know which one you have because obviously, you know, the the, the front sub components, et cetera, are, are going to be substantially different from one to the other. Um, but what's even weirder still is you're going to have two completely different battery packs. And I have to think that the, the EPA range is going to be different on them because the 4680s obviously are going to be more efficient unless they artificially handicap them so that they're identical, you know, to keep... And Steven, you know, and they just reduce the number of cells. So, like he says, it's a lighter pack, right? That's where the advantage is. So maybe they're not looking to exceed the, the range performance of, of the car with the 2170s. It's just kind of freaky. Well, to answer your question, Ian, it's not really that weird because I mean, let's think back to the original Model S when they read that refresh the front end uh, in October, November of 2016. So you had a number of Model S's on the road that were, you know, the original design. And then you had this new refreshed front end, thanks to Model X's design. And those were in the road, uh, you know, in the fall of 2016. So this, this is kind of par for the course with Tesla. We've seen oftentimes where these little changes on uh, the interior. The Model 3 had Alcantara, then it didn't. Like, we're, we're, there's these little things kind of happen. But as long as the VIN has a record of everything on your car, from insurance issues to uh, body repairs to anything else, it's really not that big a deal because uh, they've been doing this now for the better part of their existence. I understand all that. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we deal with OEMs all the time. And when we do a running change in production, it's, it's assigned to the VIN. And, you know, yeah. nowadays when you go to the dealership, they won't even look at you unless you have the VIN. I mean, it's end of story because they want to know exactly which car you have. Yeah, you know? right. And this goes back, God, I remember in the 70s where, you know, if you bought a Firebird, you didn't know if it was coming with the Chevy engine or the Pontiac engine or the Oldsmobile engine, you know, like in three different motors in the same year. Mm -hmm. However, what's different about this is that you're going to have them running consecutively. It's as, imagine they were doing the old Model S front end, at this, the new refreshed Model S front end at two factories at the same time. Mm -hmm. And you'd be like, which one am I getting? You know, so I, I just wonder what that's going to do to consumers. Are people going to be like, oh, no, I don't want the old 2170s. I want the, you know, I want, I want the Gigafactory Texas one. I, you know I want the new technology. Yeah, I hear you. I, I don't know if there's going to be that large number of people. Like people like us and a, a good amount of our listening audience will probably be in that latter category you're talking about, which is they know the ins and outs. They listen to all these different shows. They sort of read certain content on social media and they understand um, you know, hey, this change has been made. I want to make sure that I have this center console, this floor mat option. And I, I get that. Those those are the finicky folks who want the latest and greatest thing. But I would say to the, I would probably presume, and if I'm wrong, I'd love our audience to sort of throw in their feedback on this. But I tend to think that the majority of Tesla owners are not that class of owners. They're just happy to get their car that has their range expectations, that at least um, is in the color they asked for, is in the design they asked for. And if there's been a subtle difference, whether it has a heat pump or not, I think to most of them, they're not really going to notice it. Um, because, I mean, there are a lot of people who will take delivery of their car and not know they have to have an app on their phone to access certain things, or they don't know, you know, a number of the basics that we all now know, but a lot of folks probably have owned their car even for a month, and there's still things they don't know that are quite basic. So it's, I hear what you're saying, and I think there's, a, but I think that percentage of people uh, compared to the problems that we're talking about. So I want to throw in, a, a, I have an observation. Um, I have noticed for the people that are very involved in this stuff, there's a sentiment on Twitter that, you know, there's certain people that says, I'm going to wait to buy a Model Y um, for when it comes out of the Gigafactory in Texas, because I want the 4680 cells. However, mm -hmm. I'm not a believer in the sense that Tesla would necessarily spell that out on the website. Your car is going to come from this place, therefore it's going to have this. Right. this is going to have. I don't think they're going to spell that out. I think what they could do, and I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate, because of the 4680s need to be ramped up, what Tesla could be doing is running two consecutive lines. So you got one in Fremont, Unless I'm just spitballing here, but mm -hmm. let's say they run the one at, at, at Fremont. Tesla knows the breakdown of what they sell, right? So what if, just an example here, you get initial production of the Model Y going in, in Texas, but because, let's say you have a one line that's starting with the 4680s, maybe you switch all of the performance cars to that battery cell because you sell less of those cars. So therefore, you know, the production line is going to be a little, you can start a little slower. You don't have as many, you're not making as many. So therefore a subset or a variant of that car 
call it the performance one because I'm sure it sells less than any of the others. Maybe that's the one they started over there. And then what that does is that it brings the, the production line down at Fremont, frees up some some time and some space so they can start doing some changes at the factory that they want to do. Maybe a new paint shop, uh, you know, that kind of thing, right? Just, just That an idea. makes a huge amount of sense. You only change the architecture on one trim level at a time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's for sure uh, how I would do it if I was given a choice of, of paths. That makes wish, a hell of a sense. Wish we knew what yeah. the plan was internally, but I think if you look at it from that aspect, that kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm, sure. But, but um, now I mean, I think it also would depend too on whether their numbers are internally in terms of the number of folks who are placing orders and what they're trying to buy. Uh, you know, if if performance is not outselling. Um, you know, another trim level, then that may be something. But I mean, to your point, starting somewhere is a good thing. You don't have to kind of do it as a all or nothing proposition. But it does it does beg the question, you know, what their long term uh, outlook is with that plan. But I also don't know if, you know, how much how much with the S and X, because I mean, you, at some point, you got to get X lines up and running, too. And they're not they're far behind in doing that. So Will all of Y eventually be out of uh, Texas so that way you could dedicate maybe the legacy vehicles out of Fremont or, you know, those plans will be things I think that over time we'll figure out. But uh, we, I think we, even still, they're probably trying to figure that out. We, we've definitely seen a switch over into, I mean, Brandenburg's been delayed. Let's, you know, let's call it what it is, right? Mm -hmm. So what have they done? They want to get Model Ys over to Europe. So what do they do? Shanghai. They're all being exported now. So, like I said, once Giga Texas is starting to ramp up, like I said, the, the, the simplest solution for me would be, okay, you take one of the variants and you ramp it down in Fremont. You, you go over here because you sell less of that. And let's say Tesla wants to make up some of the room. Well, maybe, maybe they can spin up this fabled uh, long-range rear-wheel drive Model Y. Um, that some people had been wanting for some time. I mean, there's, I mean, there's a lot of play, you mm -hmm. know, different things they could do in here. Um, but anyways, it just shows that uh, they're they're definitely thinking. Um, they're starting to commission the plant for whatever they can do. Um, right. So that's our take on that. Um, was there anything else in that that clip that um, that got our attention? Nothing. I can't think of it. <laughs> we want to get on to the Cybertruck one because we have lots of time. Listen, you know, I'm wearing my Cybertruck shirt here. All right. Um, the next clip is talking specifically about the Cybertruck. It is one minute and 13 seconds long. However, this segment of the Cybertruck um, that they talk about on the clip is actually two parts. And the, because the investors, the retail investors and the, and the, um, um, in, um, traditional investors had asked about the Cybertruck on two separate questions. So what I did is I mashed them together. Now, for those of you who are going to be listening to this clip, I want you to pay very close attention to the messaging and how they talk about the Cybertruck. And we'll talk about it here in a second, but pay very close attention to how they talk about the Cybertruck. Here we go. The, the first question from Robert M. is, uh, Tesla's website still says Cybertruck production is expected to begin in late 2021. Can Tesla share more details on the current status of the Cybertruck? Um, yeah, the Cybertruck is um, currently in its uh, alpha stages. We finished basic engineering architecture of the vehicle. Um, with the Cybertruck, we're redefining how the vehicle is to be made. As Elon said, it carries much of the structural pack and large casting designs of the Model Y being built in Berlin and Austin. Um, obviously, those take priority over the Cybertruck, but we are moving into the um, beta phases of Cybertruck later this year. and. Um, We'll be looking to ramp that in production in uh, Dicka, Texas, after uh, Model Y is up and going. Can you please update us on timelines for the start of production of Berlin and Austin, Model Y, Cybertruck, and the Semi? Do you expect the ramp of Cybertruck to be as difficult as it is a new process? I think Cybertruck ramp will be difficult because it's such a new architecture. I mean, it's going to be a great product. It might, I think, be our best product ever. It does a lot of fundamentally new design ideas. Cybertruck. Nobody's ever really made a car like this before because there's so much uh, unexplored territory. All right. So the takeaway from this is that they are not willing to commit to any kind of timeline anymore. Um, I think it's pretty obvious. If, I mean, I've, we've said this be before, and I've been saying this for some time. If you think you're getting a Cybertruck by the end of this year, <laughs> I got a bridge to sell you. They are not ready. Um, we'll talk about something else that just broke today. Um, but the, Listen, the Cybertruck, they really want to put 4680 sales. They don't have a backup plan for 2170s in this thing. It needs to have the structural pack there for the 4680s. So until the 
you know, all the, all the other stuff that's required to make this thing is ready. Um, they're not ready to start making trucks. We don't have any evidence at this point, and I've been watching how they're building the factory, of this 8,000-ton gigapress that they need to make, you know, the castings for this thing. There's nothing stopping them from making maybe some pre-production cars using, uh, you know, what they did. Remember, the original Model Y had two castings that were then, you know, mm -hmm. welded together, although now they're single casting. I don't see, I don't think that there's probably, I mean, I'm, I'm not privy to their architecture and how they're actually going to build this thing, but let's just say that they could take the Cybertruck and build it out of four castings and maybe just weld them together, at least for pre-production cars, until the gigapresses are ready. Anyways, um, so those gigapresses um, have not been delivered. They have not been set up yet. Um, no evidence of large sheet brake presses at this point um, to bend you know, the steel, unless that's being outsourced at this point. So we really don't know. So... Again, want to go back to the messaging here. They would not commit to any kind of timeline anymore. I know on the website it still says, you know, end of 2021. But I think Tesla is trying to sandbag the timing on the Cybertruck because they're just not ready yet. Thoughts? Good. Good <laughs> on being honest about it. No, really. Yeah. If, there, if, there's something, if there's something that really kind of, um, kind of stirs my ire about uh the timelines and and there's like a it basically at this point now it's a meme where whatever elon says two, two weeks, weeks it's not two weeks right that's kind of an ongoing joke on social media but i'm also tired of that um you know it it is okay to say we're working on it we don't know yet because ideally the demand for i want to know when this is is on the consumers tesla does not owe us a damn thing as far as we're promising it's going to be delivered by this time, this time, this time. Because no one could have predicted 18 months ago there'd be a global pandemic that would affect the overall uh, supply chain. No one could have predicted um, you know, some of the issues that arose during the course of the pandemic, just in terms of you know, uh, Alameda County and all the things that stem from that. No one can predict um, employee turnover. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we don't really know that can happen. And so when you're projecting... Uh, from concept to production, especially as Elon said a number of times, this everything about Cybertruck is brand new. We've never seen a vehicle like it. The production for a vehicle like this has never been made. All the equipment is pretty much going to be brand new. So there's so much untested, unknown variables that it's honestly good for them to say, yeah, we don't know. You know, if you want to say, listen, we hope to have at least some modest production by the end of 2021, which it's now almost the end of July now. So if you're talking over the next five months, you want to produce 10 vehicles. Well, that's kind of true to your timeline. You're not producing a thousand, but if you do 10, that, that's true. Yeah. You did do something. It's a technicality. And if, and, it, and if it leaks into, you know, Q1, Q2 of 2022, that's also fine. Uh, I mean, we don't see a thousand semi-trucks on the road, but we've seen the model for that a long time ago. So, so it's good for him, for them, especially for Elon, to admittedly say, yeah, we can't commit. Because even right now, he even made it clear on the audio clip that Model Y is the priority. Yeah. And it needs to be, because like you said earlier, uh, Trevor, this is the moneymaker right now, even, even more so than Model 3 is uh, because of the overall gross revenue. So if you got to get Model Y out of Austin, Cybertruck's going to take a backseat for a while until they can figure everything out with Model Y. FineLab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. FineLab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at FineLab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla. We were meant for each other. Well, they even did say that uh, the semi-truck, I mean, they were hoping to get semi-truck at least started by the end of this year. Obviously, that's been pushed into 2022. Again, mm -hmm. it's, it's, not, it's not the truck itself. It's the cells. Like right. they, Tesla's moving to this 4680. And we'll talk about 4680 here shortly. Um, but they're not ready yet. 
Um, yeah, they've been building stuff out of Fremont, uh, you know, in their Cato plant. But again, uh, it'll be obvious here in a second when we get to the next audio clip that, um, yeah, it's it's taking a backseat to a lot of stuff right now because the 4680 is ready. And that's why they have, again, this backup plan for 2170 cells or the regular battery pack they've been putting in the Y um, for, the, uh, for the Gigafactory. So anyways, speaking of Cybertruck, because um, we just got some breaking news we think it's breaking news um just before it's the two, pod two of you go two of you do I, i'm i'm <laughs> just I mean just much. just before we started the show here and I, I mean i'm going to share out this tweet so everybody can who's watching on the um on the youtube can see what we're talking about here our friends at tesla austin club Cybertruck news at Giga Texas. Uh, there appears to be Cybertruck wrapped bodies spotted by Peter Dog 15 today and possibly by Tesla Factory Texas latest flyby. So I'm going to bring up these images. We can take a look at them. And we've been Ian and I, and of course a bunch of people on Twitter have been uh, going over these images with a fine tooth comb. And the consensus is we do believe that these are indeed um, what appears to be six Cybertruck uh, bodies. Now, when we say bodies, we have to be very careful about this. Uh, because they, they don't seem to be totally finished. Uh, my takeaway from this, and of course, Ian, you did a little bit of a, a zoom in oh, here. Oh, I, I went full Cuban Missile Crisis on this <laughs> one, baby. Oh, yeah, I dug uh, deep. Uh, where is your tweet? Oh, my gosh, I got to zoom in here. Because... As I said earlier today to Trevor, I am reevaluating my friendship with him. I may have to do with you, Ian. <laughs> you might be next. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Ian, where is the tweet? I oh, my gosh. Where did I, go? I responded directly to your response, Trevor. Yes, so yes. So if you I find gotta, your answer, yeah, then I'll be next. Good, good point. Here I'm we go. buried in there somewhere. Yeah, here we go. Okay. Let's yeah, take a look at it. this. Here's this image. All right. So my take on looking at this on closer inspection, um, your point was you're looking at uh, what appeared to be fender flares sticking out the side a little bit my main yeah. my main thing about this was looking I can, at it i says, can even see the front wheel in there if, if you look close enough I, you can see there's a round object under the wrap i, I can the front i can i would agree with you in principle on that my main thing about this was looking at it i'm like it can't be a full body it does the peak isn't high enough but there's definitely a peak in there so my take on this is what we're seeing here is the possibility of the peak of the Cybertruck, the part that goes from the hood basically to the start of the back of the vault or where the rear windows are, has not been welded in place. It's actually been built. It's just kind of stuck inside the body and has been raised and actually welded. That's what I'm taking from these images. If you look at it very closely, you can definitely see the shape of the hood. You can see the peak where the windows are, where the back of the, of the truck begins. So that would kind of explain a little bit this part that's jutting out from the front because it may not have the full um, set of the body panels on the sides yet. So anyways, the consensus is I do believe that these are indeed pre-production basic frames for the Cybertruck to start commissioning some of the production line equipment at the factory. Not all of it. They did this with the Model Y just recently, about a week and a half ago. They were spotted some uh, body and whites that were brought in. They put those on the production lines to make sure that the robot's in the right places and the little trolleys go and stuff, but they're not actually building cars quite yet. They are building parts. We've seen them build... Um, you know, the castings and stuff for, for a number of times, uh, for a number of months and weeks now. But anyways, this is this is encouraging. And of course, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, how come they haven't unwrapped them? Well, you know, if you think about it, Cybertruck is pretty much secret sauce. They don't want anybody seeing how they're actually building these things. But anyways, I thought it was quite interesting. Ian, um, anything else you want to add to this? Yeah, I'll go a step beyond. I think that's a full rolling chassis is what you're looking at there. Now, I don't know, are the welds all finished? To your point, Trev, who knows? We have no clue. But the shape, to me, the proportions, like the, the line, that sort of planar surface below the um, the greenhouse line, it's all there. If I if I put the wheel in proportion, I think you're looking at a rolling chassis. But that's, that's as tinfoil hat as I'm going to go. Um, to just completely cut just, you know what <laughs> I was, when, when we were talking about this and I and I just this thought entered my head about what this feels like to me and I don't have children but I I know you guys do oh no uh, so imagine <laughs> you go to the the doctor you go to the ultrasound and, uh, the sonogram is performed and you get a printout and on this very fuzzy picture is like a on the ultrasound yeah is a tiny little speck and you're like see that right there that's your baby. No, that little speck is a speck. A baby would be able to actually like walk around. So anyway, um, so to me, this is what it is. Like every every new change uh, in Giga Berlin, in Austin, and like every time there's a new thing, people are like, check this out. Guys, have you seen this today? Oh my God, they got paint cans. Woo! <laughs> and I'm like, relax. And I, so I told, I told, for those of you listening audience, I mentioned this before the show, so let me get this straight. A factory 
built has more things now needed to get it built. News at six. It's just, it's, I don't see this as big a story, especially on the heels of what we just talked about, which is we're still months away from even having Cybertruck coming out of Austin. So it's good that there's been something there. I'm just not going to like go tinfoil area 51, you know, kind of <laughs> stuff on this. Not my thing. Don't harsh our buzz, man. You're hey, listen, that's my. You want to you want to do your four twenties? Have at it, man. I'm just saying. For me, I'm just not going to waste my. I got bigger things to do, like you know, eat. Do, so. do, do you think anybody else uh, watches a car company as much as we watch what Tesla's going on? I mean, this oh is, my god, no! I are mean, you kidding? Um, I'm, I'm going I, all Decker, like enhance, enhance, enhance. Move I would left, argue enhance. that the Teslackers are probably more in tune with what Tesla is or isn't doing than Tesla people are, because they they're they're like <laughs> oh, they're yeah they're okay. the ones who are like just trying to find the next slip up, the next trip. Mm -hmm. uh you know trying to figure out who on twitter is really gonna be our new guinea pig today like you know just yeah it's a parking lot truthers man that pretty much says it all i mean if you're hanging out yeah. in the parking lot counting cars all day yeah i think you've outdone even even the most ocd of us you know their their favorite their favorite band is deep blue something because they're counting cars. Oh, sorry. Oh, I know that, that you, joke, you left it hanging oh. there for me, man. Come on, yes, you know. It's yes, one yes. I understand. Well, anyway, there you go. That on. was our breaking news for today. We'll be keeping an eye on this. Obviously, these uh, these cars are being brought. Um, well, these bodies, whatever, be brought into the factory uh, to start commissioning. Whatever they're there. I mean, they're not there just to be hanging around. They're doing something with them, right? So we'll keep an eye on that. Although I think they're going to disappear into the recesses of the building, never to be seen again. Cyber bodies on the floor. Cyber bodies on the floor. Uh, there's our show title right there. All right. So the next one is a, a clip that I pulled out of the earnings call talking about 4680 cells. Um, this one's a little longer. It's about three minutes long. So let's listen in and we'll have a discussion. Please update us on progress of 4680s and what is still needs to be done to make them reliable enough for vehicles. We'll definitely make the 4680 uh, reliable enough for vehicles. And we, I think are at the point where in limited volume, it is reliable enough for vehicles. On the reliability side, uh, as Elon mentioned, we have successfully validated performance and the lifetime uh, durability of the 4680 cells produced with Cato. And we're continuing ongoing verification of that reliability. We're actually accruing over 1 million equivalent miles on our cells that we produce every month in, in our testing activities. As, you know, the focus on that is, is very clear. We want high quality cells for, for all of our customers. And yeah, we're just focused on the unlucky limiting steps in the in the, in the facility um, and with the engineers focused on those few steps remaining we're going to break through you know yeah we have a, a massive amount of equipment on order and arriving for the, the high volume uh, cell production uh, in uh, Austin and Berlin we'll have all the equipment installed yeah to accomplish uh, 100 gigawatt hours and it's, it's possible yeah uh, that by the end of the year we will be at an annualized rate of 100 gigawatt hours and I was wondering if the first 4680 cells that we'll see uh, on the road will definitely come from Tesla's own manufacturing uh, lines or whether they could be coming actually from outside suppliers as well. Uh, yeah, we, we are in fact uh, working with our existing suppliers to produce 4680 uh, format cells. You know, it, it, this is just a guess right now, but you know, I, I see us sort of like consolidating around a 4680 nickel-based a structural pack and uh, for long-range vehicles, and then uh, not necessarily a 4680 format, but some other format for uh, iron-based cells. Right now, we, we kind of have the Baskin-Robbins of batteries situation, uh, <laughs> where there's <laughs> we have so many formats and, and so many chemistries that it's uh, like we've got like 36 flavors of a battery at this point. You know, this, this results in an, an engineering drag coefficient where each variant of cell chemistry and format requires a certain amount of engineering to maintain it and troubleshoot, and this inhibits our forward progress. So it is going to be important to consolidate to uh, maybe ideally two form factors, maybe three, and then just one nickel chemistry and one iron chemistry. So uh, we don't have to troubleshoot so many different variants. You know, sometimes I get questions from our cell suppliers of like, are we just going to make all the cells ourselves? And then we're like, nope. Please make as many as you possibly can and supply them to us. We, we have a significant unmet demand uh, in stationary storage. Megapack is basically sold out through the end of next year, I believe. Yeah. 
we have a massive backlog in power wool demand. The demand of power wool versus production is an insane mismatch. Uh, now, part of that problem is also the yeah the semiconductor issue. So we, we, we use a lot of the same chips in the, in the power wool as we do in the car. So it's like, which one do you want to make, cars or power wools? So we we need to make cars, so therefore power wool production has, has been reduced. Well, there you go. So a few takeaways from that clip. Uh, one of them is that, um, you know, they're trying to get everybody on board to try and make cells, not just Tesla, uh, for the 4680s. So the Cato Road was the proving ground for their own process, but they're trying to get, you know, Samsung and LG and the others to try and make cells for them too. So they're kind of hedging their bets. And the second part of this was, um, and I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, what was it? <laughs> Isn't Don't it I great like when it happens film? during a show? Oh my gosh, I was so I was so focused on what I was saying that I forgot the second part. Um, right, so making the cells. Um, uh, was this talking about the validation? I guess maybe I missed that out of there. Um, Tesla is very much focused on making sure that the cells are validated for cars. So that's that's there. Uh, this clip was really so long, and there was so much stuff in there. I had to condense it, but there were some other parts in there um, that I didn't put in. But they were talking about essentially they got most of the stuff kind of solved. They're trying to figure out the last ten percent of of the scale, and it really boiled down to the dry cell. Uh, application process, this this pizza dough, or uh, if you will, trying to get it squished down. They said it wasn't a matter of science, it was just a matter of engineering, so they're trying to get that sorted out. Um, right, so the last bit of that was, uh, uh, you know, production right now is just hampered by the fact that they can't even make enough cells for the cars, so they had to, um, you know, for their power packs and power walls, it has to be pushed off. So this is how bad the situation is. <laughs> Uh, for these guys. Anyways, um, we kind of talked about 4680s um, and how it pertains to the product, uh, f rest of the product lines. Obviously, it affects Cybertruck in the immediate sense of things to a lesser extent, the, the semi. Roadster wasn't even discussed, but we can assume that it has 4680s as well. So um, I think they're going to probably uh, ramp up Cato as much as they can. I mean, it's already a bit of a flywheel for them anyways. They, they have been stockpiling some stuff. So maybe, um, you know, some lesser production cars that's where they can start putting them in so anyways pretty interesting any thoughts on this before we move on to uh superchargers no okay i think it was pretty self-explanatory okay very good i just feel like a fool because i completely lost my train of thought on that last one all right um the other one too that came up during the um earnings call was the situation with the superchargers because Elon did take to Twitter and say that they were going to open up the superchargers to uh, other non-Tesla cars by the end of this year. So this clip is about two minutes and uh, let's listen in and see what they have to say about it. Elon has said that Tesla will be op uh, opening up the supercharger network to other EVs later this year. Can you share some more details on how this will be structured? Will this be a select brands, or will they contribute to the, to the growth of this network? Currently, thinking it's a real simple thing where you just download the Tesla app and you go to a supercharger and you just indicate which stall you're in, plug in your car, even if it's not a Tesla, and then you just access the app and say, turn on the stall that I'm in for how much electricity. And this should basically work with almost any manufacturer's cars. There will be a time constraint. So if the charge rate is, is super slow, then uh, somebody will be charged more because the, the biggest constraint at the superchargers is time, how occupied is the stall. And we'll, we'll also be smarter with how, how we charge for electricity at the superchargers. So, you know, rush hour charging will be more expensive than off hours charging because there are times when the superchargers are empty and times when they're jam-packed. And so it makes sense to have some time-based uh, discrimination. On yeah, we've yeah. been doing that and it's been working and people yeah. respond. And it helps with utilization. Yeah. In Europe and China and most parts of the world, uh, it's, a, it's the same connector for everyone. Um, so this is a fairly easy thing to do. Uh, developed our own connector, um, which in my opinion is actually developed supercharging. Tesla was the only one who, who had high power charging and there was no standard. So we developed our own connector, which in my opinion is actually uh, the best connector. It's, it's small and light. Looks good. So the, the, an adapter is needed to work for EVs in, in North America. Um, but people can buy this adapter, and we 
uh, anticipate having it available at the supercharges as well uh, if people don't, don't sort of steal them or something. Increasing the, the utilization of the network actually reduces our costs, which allows us to uh, lower charging prices for all customers, makes the network more profitable, allows us to grow the network faster. So it's a good thing there. And, then, and no matter what, we're going to continue to aggressively expand the network capacity, increasing charging speeds, improving the trip planning tools to protect against site congestion using dynamic pricing, as Elon mentioned, yeah. and just continue to focus on minimum wait time for all customers. Well, there you go. Lots to unpack in that little clip. Um, obviously, people were a little perturbed over the fact that, uh, and, and I kind of expected this, you know, you're going to get a lot of people that feel like superchargers are ours. Why do we let other people in? Um, so obviously Tesla is taking that to heart. Yeah, I know, Eric. <laughs> um, obviously Tesla is taking this to heart and, um, you know, thinking about how they're going to deal with that, you know, through various pricing structures. Um, the other part, the, the fact is that they're going to try and make it as seamless as possible because we know, unlike other chargers, that when you go to a supercharger, there's no way to put a, a credit card slot in or anything like that. They're not going to go put payment terminals in. So they're probably going to have people put either the, their, a, a new version of the Tesla app on their phones. So they go in, they plug in, they tell them what stall it is so that it's pretty much seamless. I think that's, that's actually probably the best way to do it. Uh, rather than dealing with credit cards and all this stuff, it's cheaper for them because it's all on the back end of that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, the other part of this is dealing with the with the site congestion. Obviously, doing tiered pricing uh, kind of helps with that, as well as uh, long-term reducing the cost of everything by having other people pay for the expansion. So I think that's a smart way of doing it. Uh, I think it's also early, a little too early for people to start freaking out over congestion. I mean, maybe in, in California, not so much everywhere else. Um, um, and then the other part we can discuss too is this is this concept of needing an adapter. Now, if you've looked at the superchargers in Europe before the Model Three came in Europe, they went around to all of the superchargers and retrofitted them with CCS plugs. And when I say retrofitted, they added a CCS plugs because all of the Model S's and the X's in Europe had a Menikes uh, Type Two, and that's how they were doing not only Level Two charging but also the Level Three, which is the supercharging. So they've added. Um, CCS to all those cars. So a lot of people are like, well, is Tesla going to go around to North America and update all of their plugs to CCS? And looks like that's not going to be the case. They're going to um, do an adapter. So they'll most likely have an adapter. Well, definitely have an adapter for CCS to the Tesla plug. Maybe not so much Chatamo. Maybe kind of low skill at first because Chatamo's, you know, on its way out. Um, how much they can charge for this adapter? I don't know. Maybe that's, uh, is that a barrier to entry for, for people to use it? Uh, he did say that they're going to have them at superchargers for people that need them. How are they going to control that? I mean, there's a lot of questions. So he's answered some questions, but we still have a lot of questions. So what are your thoughts on, on this, on the supercharger thing, opening up to other people? Well, I will tell you, I love this. Uh, and for a number of reasons, uh, in part because here in the U.S., there's big discussions in Washington, D.C. about an infrastructure bill. And one of the various topics in that is really combating climate change. And of the five different prongs of that, uh, among them is electric vehicle chargers and having an infrastructure network set up for um, for the majority of EV owners across the U.S. And, um, you know, not to get specific into the politics of it, but we're seeing cuts here and cuts there. So the number that was originally projected by the White House has now been, you know, made into a tiny, minuscule, almost non-existent number by comparison. And so that really hurts the electric vehicle market share for both people who currently use electric vehicles or those who are interested in buying one. Um, earlier this year, the Pew Research Center had done a study uh, of electric electric vehicle ownership uh, around the world, but specifically in the U.S. And um, as of 2020, there were 1.8 million EVs registered in the U.S., which is more than three times as many as there were in 2016, which is a great improvement, right? But how much of that is a Chevy? How much of that is Tesla? How much of that is Porsche and so on and so forth? So Tesla, in its early years, Elon was very adamant about, listen, we want our charging infrastructure to be used by everyone. If you want to use it, let us know. We'll make sure that you use it. And a lot of legacy automakers are like, nah, we'll pass. Not really for us. Well, now Tesla is holding true to what they offered, but now sort of making it so that they're telling the owners not the legacy creators and saying, hey, if you want to use our charging infrastructure so you can take a road trip and get from A to B much more efficiently so that you are like a Tesla owner without having to own a Tesla, 
Here's the opportunity to do that. So it is advantageous for a lot of ways, but for all the things that they point out too, which is it lowers the cost. Uh, they're now trying to, of course, uh, increase the charging capacity at various uh, existing uh, supercharging stations. But then if, if it makes even the rush rates so that if I'm going on a peak time from 4 to 7 p.m. at a location here, say in West Palm Beach, well, if it normally was 20 cents uh, for its initial rate, but now you drop it down to 14 or 10 because now we're opening up to everybody, that's great for even existing owners. So it, there's 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 a lot to unpack, like you said, but there's, there's nothing about that that I'm like, well, that's a bad idea. These are fantastic ideas to expand the reach. Uh, and even just from, hey, you're sitting at a charging station, you look over to your left, you look over to your right, you see Teslas around you, you a, now a Trojan horse. create you know, more connections with other Tesla owners, and maybe at some point you find yourself getting into one. Well, exactly. It's a bit of a Trojan horse. Ian, any yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm 100% on board with absolutely everything Eric said. I'm just going to add one condition, one little mm -hmm. asterisk on okay. there, is they have to use this revenue to build out the network and yeah. guarantee us that they're going to meet the increased demand. You know, I if think that goes without that, saying, yeah. Everybody wins because, you know, I've seen all sorts of calculations in the early days when the supercharger network was kind of sketchy, you know, there was all these guys who worked on phone network systems and switches and they did, they had these fabulous algebra calculations in terms of demand and um, figuring out what peaks and valleys were and how many units you needed in certain areas. And I was like, wow, okay, they're way deep down this rabbit hole, but there's no question, no matter how you calculate, this as volume increases as the number of stations increases your problem of peaks congestion at peaks dramatically right. goes down mm -hmm. because you average it out over a much larger session uh, you know number of stations a number right. of stalls so that that for everybody is going to be huge when if this is done right we're not going to see congestion increase we should see it go down mm -hmm. And you're going to have maybe a lot more um, stations in rural areas, you know, that typically didn't have. It just makes the whole thing more affordable. The more people you get on board, the better it is for everybody, 100%. But yeah, they this have is, to stick to that promise. Yeah, this is not induced demand, where, um, which is a really weird – if you don't know what induced demand is uh, as an audience, uh, if you have, say, traffic on a highway – and it's a four-lane highway, and you just have traffic at rush hour every day of the week, Monday through Friday, right? Um, some people may say, the engineers may go, well, let's just expand the road. Let's just add lanes in each direction. Well, what oftentimes happens, that creates more traffic because people go, oh, you're making the highway wider. I now can get on the highway and actually have a better commute. Well, it just invites more cars. It doesn't really make the problem go away. You just now added more traffic. Um, to Ian's point, when you add more charges across the country, you have more opportunities to charging your vehicle in different ways. And to what they mentioned on the call, which is we're going to make it smarter so that we're going to have you navigate to a charging station that is along your route, but maybe this station's got eight stalls. It typically is a busier station. But for you, this car, this mileage, this, you know, charge you have, you're better off going to this station for 15 minutes. You sort of balance the scales a bit. And next thing you know, there's no problem. Uh, so, so Ian, you're, you're just a great astute observation, and, and thanks for calling out. Yeah, you, you brought up a good point there because it also reflects back to what they actually said on the call was they were going to improve the routing tools. So I think that kind of brings in with a lot of that stuff too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it goes without saying that, um, you know, any improvements or money that they bring in is absolutely, and we know Tesla is going to do the right thing and actually build more stations. What I also think too is, is I mean whatever happened to to adding mega packs uh, to these things and and solar power to get them some, i mean not totally off grid but to help with with the peak demands situation now obviously if you think about it long term to what we just talked about i mean it's a sell thing they just don't have enough to go around right but i think once the, you know hopefully in in due time once things uh, get caught up on the battery stuff that they can actually go back and and um and fulfill that promise and actually start retrofitting some of these stations with solar uh, like in Kettleman City and some peak shaving, um, you know, power packs and mega packs and whatever it takes down there. Because I think that would do um, that would do wonders for a lot of these stations. So mm -hmm. anyways, that's all I have. That's all I have. But it was so much to listen to. Uh, I will put a link in the uh, video description for those of you who really want to listen to the hour and 20 minute whole thing. Uh, including all the ums and ahs, <clears throat> because there's, you know, like I said, I went through and, and, and did the audio clips, and I thought what was really interesting, uh, not so much the financial stuff, as I said, if you want the financial things, there are better podcasts to listen to for that kind of thing. We like the engineering part of things, and this is what we like to talk about. 
So I think that brings us to the end of the show. You guys have anything you want to add before we, uh, before we close up? Oh, yes, sir. Yes? Okay. I have a bone to pick with you. Oh, no. You are accused of heresy by thought. Oh, yes. Heresy by word. Heresy by deed. Heresy by action. How do you plead, sir? Nobody expected the Spanish Inquisition. Heresy. Anybody? Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Yes. And if you okay, want to know so what that's all about, you have to you have to go back to do Trevor's Twitter feed today, and you'll yeah, understand. I, I, but I, I, he committed heresy. Yes, I. I, I did. was planning on maybe uh, visiting the Canadian border on August 9th when it opened, and there's other things that could inhibit that. But Trevor may now be the number one reason. Not COVID. Not not strikes. <laughs> Trevor may be the reason I don't visit Canada in my entire lifetime. So thanks, Trevor. Uh, so for those of you who are uh, wondering what these guys are talking about, let me. Just bring up the tweet that I did today. <laughs> See, I, I, even, I, I even wore my my, my Spanish Inquisition shirt. Now yes, it I saw is that. important. It is important for some backstory. When Trevor had um, started the forum, it was largely because of the Model Three, and then when the forum expanded to just be everything and all things Tesla, woo! Um, he decided, you know what? Everyone knows me on Twitter as Model 3 owner. I'm just going to leave it like that. That's fine. <laughs> We're going to stay the same way. We're now two, but it's going to be about the three. That's fine. And then now, this traitor, this, <laughs> I love the Cybertruck. I can't wait yes. to see the Cybertruck. This, this is, this you, is, sir, are dead to me. Yes, this is the tweet. I said, uh, <laughs> kind of heresy to say this, but I'm more excited about the Cybertruck than I was about the Model 3. I know. Fetch. <laughs> you son of a glitch. There you go. That's that's what they're talking about. I was just having a little bit of fun. Um, it, it does not change my love for my car. I love, love, love my car. But I will not hesitate yep. to give it up for the Cybertruck. Just saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people say, aren't you excited about the Roadster? Yeah, okay. Cybertruck's really? what I'm... Cybertruck's what I'm oh. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Cybertruck's what I'm there. spending my are money you, on. <laughs> you misspoke. The question should be, are you excited about the Roadsters? You two-timing gas bag. Yes, I know, I know, I know. I don't know. There's just something about the truck that just, like, I've never wanted one, but it's like, I got to have this thing. Here, you know what? Here's a great question. (laughs) No, before we we head out of the show, I have this parting question, which you don't have to answer, uh, but I do find it kind of rhetorical in nature. If you were given the opportunity to live in a house that's never been seen or designed before, would you want to live in it? Well, it depends. Right. So there there are going to be people that could see a certain house and go, that house looks hideous. But others could go, well, that's kind of cool, right? Like, if you could live in an Airstream the rest of your life, like some people may be like, I'm all for the road life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, some people are into tiny homes. I think they're cute uh, in terms of how they're built and how things are. Like, there's a lot of engineering that goes Guilt, behind Guilty pleasure. Things. I do watch them on YouTube. Right. Um, but I also, the idea of having a house on a trailer just seems kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, but Especially I'm the kind if you of park it and never move it, right? But bear in mind, I'm the kind of person that thinks we we like to build things big and spacious and take room everywhere, right? Um, I I, t- I tend to not like that idea, but Cybertruck to me is that unique thing that now just has one of those two camps: you love it or you hate it. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I don't Still love polarizing. it, but I'm not saying I hate it. Um, but I think if you're if you're given the chance to have something new, you may say. Listen, I love my wife, <laughs> but so and so walked into the room. I'd have to take it. I just, I would just look. Be like, well, nothing wrong with looking nice. as long as you don't touch. Right, just that looks nice. <laughs> yes, it'd, be, it'd, be like, it'd be like a stanchion rope chain cyber truck that's like on display in some factory. Like you can't touch it, but you can take pictures of it. Listen, the cyber truck is very polarizing. I get it. Um, you know, nobody would ever accuse it of being beautiful, even including myself. But I think. The truck, if you think about it, and truck is the wrong word to be using, but it's a utility vehicle. I think if you look at the utility of it and what it brings to the table, there's just nothing like it on the market. And for me, it satisfies my desire in some ways of of having a Model X again. Not for the Falcon wing doors. I just love having that windshield and having the interior space and being able to bring more people and being well, maybe a little t- up off the ground again. And now we get the bonus of having um, you know a trunk in the back. Uh, that's actually covered and it can tow and it can do a whole bunch of stuff. So mm-hmm. for me, that's the appealing part of it. It's not so much because of the looks. I mean, yeah, you know, you know, it's got, uh, you know, like I said, it's very polarizing. But the utility of it uh, appeals to me, and the fact that, you know, I'm not driving a, a, a big truck that's spewing <clears throat> garbage out the back. 
I mean, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, you don't want to, you know, pick up truckers are bad for the environment and stuff. Yeah, I totally get that. But that's not this. This is different. So anyways, that's just my, my opinion. Well, uh, well, you'll, you'll get it. You'll get it in a few years. Next year. <laughs> next year. My money's on next year. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, Ian, why don't you go first? Where can people find you? Well, on Twitter, the handle is at Ian Pavelko. Uh, on the Tesla Owners Online forum, the handle is Mad Hungarian. Um, be sure to use the ampersand and the actual tag, tag so me. that I actually see that pop up if you have some sort of a technical question there. And uh, you can always uh, pop into my little shop on teespring.com if you're looking for some of the Mad Hungarian Evolve Wear shirts. Um, it's always still an option open to you folks out there. Excellent. How about you, Eric? Where can people find you? Twitter.com forward slash E-C-F-I-X. Have That's, a nice day. <laughs> oh, and I got something I got to show off and get in the last plug in here. Sure. Go oh, ahead. yes. Go ahead. The Sandy Monroe signed uh, oh, yes, bumper sticker. sticker. Yes. Don't forget. Yes, his is signed. Look at that. Do you want to pull him. the camera back a bit? There you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So for those of you who yeah. don't um, who don't remember, maybe you didn't watch our Sandy Monroe uh, podcast in the last episode. Who He's, didn't watch that? There's no one. Well, we Everybody. had a lot of people watch it. Anyway, so Sandy's selling stickers um, to fund his uh, Model S uh, plaid purchase so he can tear it apart so we can see all the <laughs> alien technology and the magic in there. So please go buy a sticker. 13 bucks. Live.com. Yep. I think it's 13 bucks for the sticker. And if you want the signed edition, it's 50. And Ian bought the signed one. So, I did. Yeah, what's your Basically, percentage? You're of own- investing in a vehicle's murder. So, uh, what was your percentage of ownership of that it, car it, now? An, an autopsy. An autopsy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not dead when he gets it. It's dead when he gets He finally gets his hands on it. Then he kills right. it. Uh, well, listen, we'll have Andy on the show talk us all about the plaid there and when he finally gets it and takes it apart. Anyways, I guess that leaves me. You can follow me on Twitter. The handle's uh, Tesla Owners Online. Don't forget to visit the forum at teslaownersonline.com. We've got a great section on there in Cybertruck. That's what you want to talk about. Model 3, Model Y, whatever you want. It's all in there. Also, want a big uh, shout out to our sponsors, uh, the guys at Evanex for for sponsoring us for so long. They've got some great products. And the uh, guys at Fine Lab, if you're into ceramic coatings, absolutely the best ceramic coating you can get out there. That's it for this show, and we will see you on the next one. Thanks for watching, guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bonsoir, tout le monde. What? <laughs> <laughs>